My name's Justin Reed. I'm the CEO of Troilus Gold. We're about, uh, I think we're 150 million now. I don't know today. Uh, trade on the TSX big board under the ticker TLG. We are developing the past producing Troilus Gold mine uh, north of Shibugamu, which operated for 14 years, produced 2 million ounces of gold and 70,000 tons of copper. We're putting a new life to it through uh, active drilling, resource growth. Okay. Yeah. You want tough questions? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So your project historically is going to suffer from the perception of low grade, yep. right? So what are you doing about it? Well, the deposit is what it is. Um, it's all about scale of economy, right? And we're caught up, as many other developers are, in this inflationary environment right now. We are seeing start to come down the other side with steel prices through Asia and stuff, but it's about scale and continuity. So we've drilled um, essentially a quarter million meters uh, in the last three years. We've taken a resource from what was 1.8 million ounces equivalent underground to, as of September of 2020, uh, 8.1 million ounces equivalent with a new resource coming out in about a month, which will bring in about a, another 150,000 meters of drilling. So this is going to be a long life asset that has to be mined at greater than 35,000 tons a year. And it will be. Right. And again, talking about current environment, you can't avoid it at the moment. Um, your PEA, which is whatever you want to say, plus or minus 40%, you know how you view these things. In this kind of environment, Lower grade projects may suffer or could suffer uh, in the sense that they could become marginal. Now, your ASIC is 850s. So it's kind of good, but you, your PFS is coming in what? Soon, I hope, yeah. is it? Four weeks. Four weeks, okay. Give us a sense of what your expectations are from that. Um, well, one thing I have to say, it has to be bulletproof. Yeah. Right? We, are, we are in a face of market uh, where cost overruns, inflation is rampant, um, funding issues are all over the place. And so we have to make sure that the number uh, can, can really stand up to any scrutiny that comes. And, and so it will. What I would say is that in 2020, when we put out our PA, we valued in real time basis uh, the existing infrastructure which we had at about 350 million US. Mm -hmm. Today, under the same inflationary window, that's worth about 600 million US. And so when you have 40 kilometers of roads that are production ready, 60 kilometer power lines, a tailings facility that just needs to be lifted and is already permitted, um, the majority of the earthworks which we are going to require are done. And when you look at the overruns at all these great assets that are being built is all pre-strip. It's all earthworks. Uh, a mill's a mill. Like it's, those are fixed cost items that most places are contracted. So I think that a lot of the high risk dollars are already spent. And that was our opportunity. Right. Okay. So you're saying that in terms of cost capital, you know, you obviously we've talked previously about Quebec government stepping in equity, bit of debt. You're, you, you've, You've engaged with them financially, um, and the support is there. You're talking about large infrastructure, which you're not going to have to fork out for, or not as much. So that's that's kind of good in terms of helping you not marginalize this um, project. What are the other things that you're constantly fighting against, other than chasing higher grade ore? 
Oh, I mean, we are finding higher grade and metallurgically, there was always a question around trials mm. historically. And, you know, history is everything and understanding history. And um, when trials started at 10,000 tons a day, uh, they were getting low 90s recoveries, mid 90s on the copper. And that was because they were grinding to a mesh of of 80 at the time. As they expanded to 14 and 20,000 tons a day, they invested money um, uh, in the mill. So they were pushing more tons, but they didn't invest in the, uh, in the front end of the mill substantially. And so the recoveries dropped because of coarser grind size. That's it. So we've completed 15,000 kilos of bulk samples from all three of the deposits. We're going to be able to show recoveries, both gold, copper, and silver, well into the 90s. So I think a lot of the, the historic um, numbers, because of time, technology, and, um, and really consistency, because Trellis was always an undercapitalized mine, because corporately, Inmet was putting their dollars elsewhere. Cobra Panama, La Cruces. They were a global base metal producer. Um, we're going to make, make sure the right amount of capital comes at this mine to do it correctly. Right, okay. And I wanted to quickly go to your share register, 60% institutional. Yeah, a little more, yeah. A little bit more, more than that, okay. Um, what's the free flow? It's, uh, we, have, uh, we have 200 million shares out, about 68% is institutional right now, right. Okay. of which um, the Quebec institutions account for uh, essentially 20%. Management owns about 10% of the company, um, and then the rest is retail. Right, so, and they should be good holders, right? You're not hearing that they're dumping stock or anything. Yeah. Yet, you, like everyone else, getting hammered in the market. It's a tough yeah. market at the moment. Um, the retail component, I, I assume each, well, whatever's being sold is having a big impact on you. So, your next market's guy. Yeah. What do you do? do you, how, how do you play that game? We can't really control the retail investor. You have to communicate. You have to market more. Even though you don't necessarily want to spend those dollars, I think you have to spend those dollars because it's about communication. Um, our institutions are all long-term value holders, so we see very little movement of stock through them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unless there's a complete capitulation, but we're not really seeing that. So our volumes during this pullback have dropped by almost 70%, which, which just shows you that the sellers are hopefully done, but they're a lot fewer, but they have far larger impact. And so it's just simply communication. Right. Talk, talking of that narrative, right? We, we had um, O3 on here, Jose, with three of us were chatting backstage. Um, he talks about fundamentals game and we've been talking to a lot of CEOs who want to talk about fundamentals because there's a kind of solidity to that in the sense that it's, it's not 2020 anymore. You, you've got to be real. You've got, there's a new reality out there in terms of well, certainly the economics, uh, new reality in terms of expectation, how long mines can take to get uh, into production because of issues around ESG, permitting, licensing, environmental, and so forth. So in that environment, how do you go about trying to work out who, which shareholders you want to have you know, on the register? Um, you certainly want long-term supportive shareholders who could possibly be there for another financing in the future should you need it, right? And so it's about 
communicating, really bringing them into the tent, making them part of the team, making them completely aware of what your plan is and a realistic timeline of delivering, and then going back and saying, hey, I've done this, and now we're doing this. And so you get that track record of, of, um, you know, of delivering on the project and your promises. You know, with, the, with that said, our institutional shareholders know that we're, you know, we're not building a mine in a year. We're hopefully building a mine in two years. And so it's just making sure that you set the expectations realistically, I think, more than anything else. But do you feel there's a disconnect? And I'm, I'm wondering how much of your success in terms of accessing capital is you and how much is the company um, in the sense that you're 120, 150 million market cap today, right? Yeah. Um, like everyone been, been hit a bit, and you know, I'm not going to dig you out too much about that. But um, going forward, you, you've, you have delivered the things that you say you're going to deliver on time. You've, you know, the team is a bit more robust. Um, you are chasing higher, higher grade, and it is building it something quite nice. But it's 120 to 150 million market cap. Don't you think, Phil, it should be a heck of a lot more based on what you're delivering regularly to your institutional guys? Sure. But, you know, we are, we have a PA in the market in, a, in, in what I would call a bad tape right now, right? And we've seen this 100 times. It'll get good again. It'll get bad again. Um, it's about consistent de-risking of the asset and having the team. You have to separate, call it company promotion and communication away from the fundamental delivery of the asset. And so there you have to put a team in place who can do it okay. and not only explore, but engineer, develop and build. And I think we've done that very well. You also have to have an asset of scale and consequence that can separate itself from, you know, the 150 different gold companies that are out there. And, you know, I think Troilus will be knocking on 10 million ounces. It's going to have a 25 year mine life. It's going to produce 250,000 ounces a year. And it's going to be, you know, depending who gets into production first, Ernie or me, we're, you know, we're going to be one of the largest copper producers as well in Quebec. And that scale, I think, separates you. And so, when you look at some great assets and great junior companies like Detour, like the original Cisco, like a Cisco now, um, what Artemis is doing right now uh, in BC, the pre-feasibility will de-risk. We filed our permit descriptions both with the province and both with the federal government, so consultations, permitting's underway. The EIA is well advanced. Um, the IBA is, is being discussed and is being kicked off right now. So it's just about, especially in a low-grade bulk tonnage acid, and you and I a number of times talked about sexy, right? This isn't sexy. But de-risking this asset, if we are uh, have a permit in hand, the feasibility done, and the team in place to do it, and the financing is knocking on the door, you become Artemis. And Artemis right now is you know, seven or $800 million company. So on these type of assets, you just have to continue the path. And ideally, the difficult thing that all the CEOs are, and management teams are dealing with right now is how are you going to pay for it in this market? And um, because you're staring massive dilution in the face when you, everybody's down at 52-week lows. Our balance sheet's really robust. We've got a lot of running room in front of us, so that's not an immediate issue for us. But we will need money before construction again. We have a lot of options out there. We bought back our royalties, so our asset is unencumbered. Um, 
we we are seeing opportunities as are a lot of companies for interim call it bridge debt pieces before true capital allocation to build a mine so certainly i think you're seeing a lot of ceos right now at this conference in our space look at non-dilutive methods of financing and for that i think you have to have a truly fundamental story to accomplish that you, you do but there's something going on in the market. There's this kind of shakeout happening, which I think is good for the market, quite frankly. So there's less white white noise. But um, that said, your institutional guys, 68% of the register, you can pick up the phone to them and, and speak to them all in one day, presumably. Why aren't they buying or picking up or mopping up what's happening in the market at the moment? I think they they were, and historically they have, not just Troilus, but a lot of other juniors. Um, AUM is shrinking, right? Redemptions are real. I think access to capital is uh, um, not only from our standpoint, but also from the fund standpoint is um, not as readily available. Now we're having to wash out in, wash out in cryptocurrency. Maybe there'll be more, um, call it retail driven investment but the funds have certain mandates that they have to deliver to. And I would say that our institutions that own us likely have their allocation of us from a portfolio stance sense. You, you want crypto investors? No, I, well, I want them not to invest in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, that's definitely happening. Um, but but you, uh, this comes back to the profile of the investor type that you know, either buys a fundamental story or buys wild excitement and sentiment. I, I can tell you're the former for sure, but and you'd say, well, we should be valued like an Artemis, and, that, and that's great, but the institutional guys aren't there yet. What is it that you've got to deliver for them, for them to say, right, okay, I'm now a believer. I know they're an investor, but yeah, they don't I think, feel like they're a believer. I think in this world right now that we're working within, it's a permit and it's a capex that is realistic. When that capex is going to come out, they're going to say, how are you going to fund it? And you have to show them that you can fund it without blowing up the cap, the, the cap structure of your company. Right. I think I think that is the biggest risk for all developers right now is the capital blowout and what kind of dilution are your shareholders potentially facing. So putting out a very solid plan um, to provide confidence that this cap structure is going to remain in, in place, that your equity is going to have the chance to maintain value and appreciate is probably, there's fear right now. There's fear of CapEx. Yeah, absolutely, because we're not quite sure of the knock-on effect of you know the fact that people don't have enough discretionary yeah. spend or you know um, because everything's going up in, in, in cost. So it's, it's kind of horrific. But for you, you've got to think of creative ways to get this thing funded. And we, you talked about yeah. given some examples there, and you've got access to some of the Quebec uh, funding as well. But how, how do you envisage the market opening up for you? Well, I, th I think you have to, you know, lots of people talk about being newsy and new discoveries. And for us, it's, that's probably it. You know, Troilus is on a path. The asset itself is on a path. Um, we have 1,400 square kilometers. We have one of the largest exploration packages. We've proven that we can add ounces very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. We've added, you know, we've added six and a half million ounces in three years. Um, we have 100 people at site. We have 45 people out every day exploring. We have regional drills turning new discoveries, um, working new showings, and, and all the things that have to do with the great exploration program. So for us, it's about saying, hey, we've got this great asset at Troilus, but we have control of a belt. And this belt has the opportunity to 
host a number of uh, potentially more deposits. Um, it's still very virgin ground. And so we're always going to have a large component of exploration with our development. And I think that keeps things exciting because you could have a new discovery. You could have a great bear. You could have something like that. Right. How do you get that back? You're my market guy. I'm going to keep referencing that. You're a markets guy. So you know, you know what institutions want to hear, right? So districts are fantastic. They can create you a lot of value or they can suck up a lot of cash. So how do you, how do you play this going forward? You're talking about you know, 250,000 uh, ounce a year producer after you know, over, I think, was it 14 years? For 14 years? Something like well, that. Well, yeah, the, P, the PFS is going to have no underground. It's going to be right. 25 years open pit. Yeah. Right, okay. So it's so even better. But it's what you do with that cash. If you keep plowing it back in the ground, which a lot of big companies make that mistake. Yeah. And you can make all the discoveries you like, but what are you giving back to the shareholders? It gives you a bunch of optionality because ultimately, as you're building the mine, you're, they're not, your shareholders aren't going to want to hear you that you're spending five, 10, eight, $12 million a year on exploration because that's capital mm. that's taken away from revenue, right? Or getting to revenue. So the optionality is, I mean, you can, you can spin out an exploration play with 1400 square kilometers. Right. Um, and the beauty of living in Quebec and working in Quebec is that, you know, it's very exploration focused. It's the lowest cost of capital to explore probably in the world. Um, you can dividend that back to your shareholders. You can have asset sales and dividend it back to your shareholders. I think ultimately Troilus holding 1400 square kilometers is too much. Um, but certainly we have to look at the opportunities that that brings us and that's how you can, you know, provide additional value to shareholders. Right. Market question. How do you view the SEC clumping down on these ESG branded funds recently? I, I know they're not necessarily going to be investing in mining or natural resources, but is it kind of good or um, does it make um, the ESG badging just that little bit easier to understand if they do clamp down on it? Um, you know, ESG is interesting because I'm going to argue that 95% of the companies here already had incredibly well thought out and executed, call it ESG plans or programs. You've got your eco logo. We, right? I will brag that we were the first in Quebec to get that. But you, You've never mentioned that before. Every single time I do. I know. You know. <laughs> um, but there's a cost. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think that we need to find a global standard. I think apples need to be compared to apples. And, mm. you know, we're battling right now seven different potential um, uh, various forms that you report to. But, yeah, I think that those who do the right things that you have to do and should do um, should have better access to capital. And right. I certainly can tell you that if you're looking for any kind of sovereign debt, whether it's provincial, national, you better be doing the right things. Um, but that comes at a cost, right? Ecologo is an incredible uh, program in Quebec. Um, we are drilling um, in the most sustainable way you can. But, uh, but I'll tell you perfectly, a pail of grease costs $100. A pail of biodegradable grease costs $400. And so when you start saying, well, this is $10 more a meter or $5 more a meter, it adds up. And when you drill a quarter million meters, yeah. um, there's a cost, but it's the right thing to do. 
Um, we work, we drill through a JV called MyCam, which is with our First Nations partners. And we've put $8.1 million back in the First Nations communities over the last three years because of that. So access to capital is going to be far more um, focused on ESG credentials. So you better do it and make sure that, um, and if the funds are there, for sure. Uh, Okay, yeah. we've unfortunately got to wrap it up. I did want to get onto environmental permitting and social economic studies, but one for another time. We're being, th we're being uh, asked to leave. All right, thanks. It's that time. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.